I think that's helped me just remembering that I'm not going to have the best ideas. I'm not going to have the dopest anything, but relying on the fact that I have a special skill set that should aid into something greater than me. Welcome to the podcast by Mikhail Alphon. Before we get started on today's episode, I just wanted to point out one of my sponsors, Mike Me Audio, who actually created that incredible intro that you just heard. Now, Mike Me is actually responsible for creating Gary Vaynerchuk's intro, as well as uh, Brittany Crystal's on her Beyond Influential podcast. And what I love about it is it simply gives your podcast that high-end, high-production feel that really grabs your listeners' attention. Now, the good news is if you want an intro for yourself, you can actually go to micme.com, that's M-I-C-M-E.com, and use the promo code MIC at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off your first intro. And they make the process really easy. All you got to do is set in your script, uh, choose your music, choose your uh, voiceover actor, and they'll create it for you within 72 hours. Again, check out micme.com and use promo code MIC, M-I-Q-K, and you know the Q comes before the K and you'll get 10% off at checkout. But before I speak too much, let's get on to the show. What's up guys and welcome to another episode of the Tuesday. Nope, that's not the same thing. Nope, <laughs> it is not. <laughs> What's up guys and welcome to another episode of the podcast. On this episode, uh, we actually have the founder of File Brand, who's worked with some incredible brands like Quest Nutrition and Halo Top. Maka, before I speak too much, why don't you say what's up to the listener and tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, okay. Yo, what's up? Um, thank you for, you know, whoever listens. Uh, dude, I'm so glad that you're having me on the show um, or the podcast. Uh, either way, my name is Maka. Just four letters, one word, like share. Um, I guess you're probably going to ask me questions to get into my story, but long story short, um, designer for about 18 years mm. turned creative direction to completely different things um and then i would say business owner yeah. own multiple businesses so kind of seeing what it was like from just really caring and only looking at your artwork and fighting for the artwork and now being the mediator and fighting for good business and then good creative. It's a completely different world. To level out the playing field today, we actually brought the uh, creative director and managing partner of Blue Light Media, Nelson Dale, on the show today too. So I'm yeah. pumped. Nelson, why don't you say what's up? What's up, guys? And uh, just for the record, uh, Maca came through and blessed us with some uh, some hats and some sweet shirts and they're all really designed <laughs> yeah. up, man. Super timely, as some of the listeners know now, we're having a tradition of trying new things on the podcast, which typically has to do with food. Today is the first time that we're trying alcohol. Yes. So I'm super pumped. I found out that, uh, or I kind of assumed that Macca was a whiskey guy because you drink old fashions. That's your drink, right? Correcto. Yeah. So we we were at uh, High Time Wines today and we found, I, I don't know, how, do you know how to say this? Brewer, Brewerch. Brew a chalet ditch. No, I don't know. I'll try. <laughs> you try. <laughs> you know, I'll even I'll even try to to act this one out. Bouche le dish. Ooh, all right. Bouche yeah, Bouche le dish. So this is a uh, this is a single malt, uh, single malt Scotch whiskey. It's an Islay. I typically don't like Islays. Yeah, it's Islay, right? Not yeah, Islay. Yeah, it's Islay. No, it's Islay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Undo, but it's unpeated. That's what I don't yeah. like about Islas is they're, they're peaty. So we're going to pour a glass of this 
and we'll do a quick tasting and then yeah. get into uh, get into everything. And for yeah. the listener, the design is like super modern. It's teal, solid teal, white font. Ooh, that little sounds bit of nice. Silver. Oh yeah. Uh, color is super light. Yeah, we're about to. We'll get the hex color for you. Just visit the website. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a matte. It's not soft touch, but it is matte. It's you know, it's not. Yeah, it's like satin. I would say. All right. Cheers. 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 Still have some peat. Yep. But it's, it's not gosh. bad. Yeah, it's smooth. Yeah, it's super smooth. I like it. It's light. I know nothing about like the notes and tones. I just know what I like and I don't like. Imagine this is the part where we cut it off because we were like, oh, it goes down. <laughs> it goes yeah. so- and then cut. Yeah, it's real smooth. Yeah, no. Every <laughs> listener now is going to know that we need a lot of hair in our chest. That's yeah. exactly what's going to happen. So yeah. let's start from let's start from the from the beginning, man. Where did you where did you grow up? I grew up in the suburbs of Rancho Cucamonga in the Inland Empire, um, Southern California. When did you start design? Like, what is it about this that that drives you? Well, those so those are yeah, two good questions. So, um, honestly, I started at around eight years old. Um, I would my, so my pops. He was a graphic designer. He, I'd watch him do like AutoCAD, and then even um, this application called Aldus Freehand, which later got bought out by. Macromedia, who later got bought out by Adobe Illustrator. So that's kind of how Adobe Illustrator was connected to it all to all this. But my dad did that. He did t-shirts. Nice. Um, and I would just watch him. And he gave me my first computer when I was like, I would say between eight and ten. It was an Apple, a Mac, Macintosh, two SI. A Macintosh. And the first, <laughs> not too many people know this, but the first logo I've ever recreated, and it's kind of funny that I can remember this when I was eight was the Timberland logo. Oh, So, shit. you know, it's circular. It had the right amount of, like, branches. And it was vector. Like, my brain just kind of knew, hey, this looks like the thing I need to do in an Illustrator program. That's but crazy. I didn't know how to say that. It just, my brain was working that way. And so... Because most people would have went to Photoshop before they went to yeah, Illustrator exactly. at that time. And the way that I recreated it is I printed a version out. And I essentially made, for the... For the example, I basically made one-inch squares and gridded the entire, you know, I didn't have graph paper, so I just drew lines and measured out, you know, an inch, like uh, different grids or different quadrants. And then I set that up inside of Illustrator. Mm. And so I just knew that this little box had to have this type of black versus white. And I would recreate it. And then after like, sorry, after like, I don't know, maybe like realistically like six hours or eight hours of just sitting on the computer, um, I recreated the logo and I printed it on like this neon green paper. So when I had a black light in my room and would turn the black light on, that Timberland logo that I created would like shine above the door. And I was like, I did that. I that's did tight. that, you know? <laughs> that's tight. <laughs> and I don't know why, dude, you, whatever question you ask, I, I, that's just how I got into it. Yeah. Watching my dad and it just seemed fun. It seemed cool. Um, and so I, you know, I would just create that shit and kind of get lost in it, not realizing it would be a career and a lifestyle for me later on. Um, so question number two, why you, you asked why, why I do it or what was the, uh, what continues to drive you with it? I think the beauty in artistry, no matter what it is, right. Dancer, singer, whatever is the medium. Cause art is just a way to express yourself. The reason why I've stuck for it for so long, being like an autonomous person, I think like, I like the idea that I'm, doing number one something but number two through the craft of art and design creating something that was never there everybody starts off with a blank canvas and you just start to realize you can do almost anything number one in the computer 
and I'm sure something we'll get into is how do you manifest that off, off of the computer? Yeah. You know, like how do you create something from nothing, whether it's a product or a business or something, you know, and I think a lot of just blank slate, I made art now blank slate. I can build my life. I can make my life. When you were going through school, was that like uh design was, did you already know like, Hey, this is what I want to do or were you kind of, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I got into a lot of, um, intimate, uh, conversation, intimate arguments with my mom. And so she always wanted me to go to college. Like my brother went mm. to Berkeley, architect, all that like stuff that basically I was like, fuck, how am I going to live up to that? You know, I'm just this guy who does not want to go to college. What the hell am I going to do? But my dad would always like kind of, I can hear in the background him telling my, my mom, like he doesn't need school. Like, you know, my dad didn't necessarily go to like, he went to college, but it, he, even he felt like he didn't need to. And so I just realized, fuck, I don't need to go to college. But I was in love with the fact that I felt like I was alive mm. and that I was good at it, you know? And just whatever it was, I just kept doing it until like other people started to say like, hey, I think you're pretty good. Like you did that. I didn't know any better. I was just like, oh, you're just patting me on the back. Like, you know, after watching enough movies, you kind of just think it's fake. Yeah. So in my own head, I was like, I, I just got to keep going. Like I want to... I want to feel better. I don't care what anyone says about what I do. I have to make sure that when I lay my head down at the end of every night, I did the best I could. And it's weird that as a kid, I kind of had that that kind of thinking. What was the first paid project you did? Did you help with your dad like when, when he needed help? Yeah, I mean, that was different stuff. It wasn't necessarily on the computer. Like, you know, I, I felt like my parents in general taught me the meaning of hard work through making me work like, you know, help with the shirts, drying the shirts, folding them, boxing them. And that's probably why I still have an affinity for, you know, merchandise and clothing. But my first paid gig, I would have to say, was like legitimately was around like college college time. You know, I feel as if somewhere in your high school years, like one of your homies was probably like... <laughs> Can you draw this picture for my girlfriend? And I'll say, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which now translates to, hey, do you do flyers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got this party. Oh, no, actually, you want to know something funny is, um, you know, whoever's listening, if you have connections, just you can't come after me. All right. Um, dude, when I was in middle school, seventh grade, as the CD burner was popping off, and for some reason, I also had a scanner, to, I, had, I had two little. Bus like they could have been businesses. They were just me like going, oh, I want to make money so I can buy, you know, the penny sneakers or fucking the new Jordans or from posits, whatever. But basically, I would scan. You guys know, remember CCS Magazine? Yeah. The skateboard yeah, magazine? Yeah. Remember Tech Decks? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I found a way to scan the fucking, <laughs> any of the boards in the CCS Magazine, blow it up. I remember telling myself, Hey, dad, what do I, oh, 300, 600 DPI? Cool. I don't know what that meant. I just knew those were the settings I have to look out for. Mm -hmm. Blew it up, um, aligned it to the actual size of the tech deck, oh. printed it out on nice sticker paper, and then put a laminate over it. I remember, I'm like 12. I'm 13. <laughs> and then I would even install it for someone and charge like five bucks. And I remember getting like 10 people in like a day or two going, oh, I want... I want this this board and like the the C C S catalog was my fucking product. That's what I'm selling. <laughs> you know? so, so I just like open up the little magazine to my homies. Hey, which one do you want? And they're like, Oh, really? I can get this. I'm like, Yeah, you don't have to go to Target buy any board. I'll give you what you want after. And so did that. And then in the midst of everything of in sync blowing up, 
I would just print out, you know, either scan images or like print out whatever I could find on the internet. And girl, like my my classmates, like girls would be like, oh my God, I want Justin or I want the whole group. I'm like, okay, that's $5 each. And then came CD burning all within the same time frame. And I remember like slanging like 20 copies of the Marshall Mathers LP. <laughs> I would print the label. And like, it was to the point where people actually thought they were real. They're like, oh, I thought you were going to give me like that thing you were going to make. I'm like, I did. I burned this and I put a label on it. Of course, I'm going to like color match the design and make yeah. it look like it's not just a sticker. And so at this point, I was just kind of making money. That's, that's not a first official gig, but I used design to make money. Yeah. And then my first official gig was like when I would supposedly be in college, you know? Yeah. So like when I was like 18 years old, yeah. like someone would be like, hey, can you design postcards or a website? And I fucking would design and build a Flash website for 500 bucks. Like that's like flash a, website. a Flash website <laughs> with the design suck, and <laughs> even doing action scripting for $500. Like what the fuck? Putting in like hundreds of, of hours for 500 bucks. Yeah. Back then it's tight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. The the burn CD things too. Like my we had the same thing my dad like really encouraged me to do this as like a, as like my first business. Um, I actually wanted to start like a, a skateboard apparel brand too, although it was called shape USA. And then I would take, I don't know. It was, it was dumb luck. I knew nothing about it. We got like, remember those things from like Michael's that you can just iron on. Oh yeah. So I'd print it out on that and then I, it was really bad. But, um, I didn't realize at the time that like burning a CD and, Selling it is highly illegal. My dad at the time is like encouraging me to do this, but you know, it got me through, it got me to the movies. At least with you're my under friends. 18. Yeah, yeah. I know. Say my dad did it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my dad made me do it. Yeah. <laughs> when you're pulling like creative juices, right? I think we all get like in like a creative funk. Like I like to write. Sometimes I can't even get the first two sentences out. It takes me like two like two hours to do the first sentence. I'm sure Nelson, you you kind of yeah, get in that same I, thing. I, me, it's like I, I get enough funk, and if somebody comes out with like a a brand new record that's like really dope, like it could be anybody, like let's say Travis Scott or something like that. Then I start like getting creative juices, like yeah. flowing, mm. and it's like get out the way kind yeah. of thing you know don't what, talk to me what, it's <laughs> what yeah, exactly yeah. So what helps you unlock your creative block what helps me unlock my creative block i i or think do you even have creative block i wonder e, i think it could for me creative block is more could be a little bit of being burnt out mm. um but you know it, it's cool that you ask that because i think i always will default to two things and it could either it's one or either one or the other. It's both. It's remembering and having an internal di uh, internal dialogue with myself. Is why did I do this to begin with? Why did I start? Either why did I start this project? Why did I get into what I've been doing for the last twenty plus years? You know, and and make sure it's still, you know, I find my way to be happy. You know, whatever that means at that time. So it's why did I? Why did you get into this, Maca? You know, like talking to myself. And then the next question to get where you want to go is why are you doing this? You know? And then I think either one of those will usually give me a smile again. And then it will be like, it's the next foot going forward. I'm like, okay, this is, and sometimes it takes a day, you know, sometimes it takes weeks. Yeah. Um, and I think the importance of having a regiment, being a professional basketball player, being a professional at the service and, and the artwork you can create, I still am able to, keep the work going rather than 
basing my operation off of emotion. Like the way I operate should not be based off of emotion. It should be based off of goal setting and just going, yo, I committed to something. I'm going to do it no matter if I, you know, break up with, if I have a breakup or if I, you know, lost somebody. Like I know those are different ways in different situations, but I think at the end of the day, you still got to perform. And that helps me get through things too. So even if I don't find my answer within three weeks, I'm still operating. Right. You know? Yeah. That's interesting. You know, as somebody that's kind of uh, led an agency, created, like helped develop Barons and created your own brands, what do you think about the notion that you don't really have the option as to whether or not you can be creative? That's a great question. Um, It it popped up very similar um, delivery, right? And I almost look at it too as like creative freedom. The notion of like, artists might complain or feeling like they're they don't have creative freedom or they're not you know being appreciated maybe i think my answer will be similar to what i kind of had a discussion about just recently because i think it's very important i truly believe that creative freedom is fake is a figment of somebody's imagination what i do believe is whoever you're that creative is working with whether it's a bad or great client or even a manager or another creative or whoever understanding that there's creative freedom which is fake and creative autonomy which is why are we working together okay i'm working with you because you do a b and c very well you always make the final decision allow me to bounce ideas off you to make a better project now same goes for me you're working with file or with maca because you value my style you value what my team can do in execute on our ideas but I get to make the decision, even as the agency or the service provider for client, mm-hmm. you're coming to me because you want you will trust in me that I will make the decision based on your goals at hand. And to me, that's autonomy. And that sets up a beautiful relationship that I've had to let go of some clients because they didn't understand that. And they wanted pure control just to feel like they were the CEO, right. which is another thing. I think a great CEO or creative di- director has, final, has a final say based on choosing the best ideas that they're hearing or that they're seeing versus the creative director's idea because he's Mm. the most creative. And so I think any CEO should let er everybody else shine, you know? What brand do you think is doing it right right now? (laughs) The first brands that come to mind, I I can't say one brand, but off the top of my head, um, and... Other people might have to differ, but I'm going to just go with, um, of course, Apple and Nike, but let's get that out of the way. We could talk yeah. about them forever, but yeah. let's get that out of the way. Um, Casper Mattress always comes to mind. Yes. They, they do a great job. Yeah. So <laughs> dude, Casper Mattress is, dude, I, my dog has two two Casper dog beds. Just because I'm like, I like the experience, even what they like throw in the packaging, they like, they'll print a fake what looks like a thick new, like a, a newspaper mm. that the dog, you know, because the sentiments of dogs chewing on newspapers, it's totally fake. There's actually no text, but there's lines that signify text. There's drawn dogs like loving life and loving the nighttime. So I'm like, <laughs> this is awesome. sick in the packaging, and like my dog loves the bed. So they do it right on the emotional standpoint, and even leading up to the to the purchase and after the purchase. You know, like the copy, the creative direction, the messaging, mm. the way and who it's marketed to. And then once you purchase, it didn't end there. You know, I get like an email. Hey, it's mm. it's on your way to better sleep. And they have like cool like comics in the email newsletter. Mm-hmm. It's a full 360 that now it's like 
usually like someone like me would pay like 150 bucks for a bed and then realize after two years of sleeping on my back hurts. Mm -hmm. But like, why do I need a new bed? There's still something on, on this bed frame Yeah. to like, Oh, I'm, why do I, what now I want to spend $1,200 on a bed. Okay. Like (laughs) because of the experience and that's the beauty of branding. And so when you ask who's doing it well, they, they got me. Honestly, from a marketing standpoint, you know how much I love that company from a marketing standpoint for me, I'm like, Casper just smashed souls. Oh, yeah. Like, I would always tell in our pitches, dude, I would tell people, like, hey, this mattress company has a blog and they did it right. They have like blogs that are like the best breakfast in bed recipes. Yeah. Yo. And I'm just like, see, like, they're capturing your whole life. And I finally, like, I finally bought one when I moved out and it's a pretty decent mattress. Like, yeah. I'm pumped on it, you know? Um, we got to get you one eventually. They're yeah. fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pumped that you did that, uh, that you said that. I like that they're moving into they they're getting some spots into retail, but they're not like putting all their eggs in one basket. They're like, let's partner up with Nordstrom's. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And you can't and like we're not gonna sell our mattresses here, but you can buy our pillows at Target. Yes. Yeah. I That's got the sick. Target pillow. Is it the, cool? The Casper. Yeah. To me, you could sell me like this is where it's like I'll just totally get out of my own shoes and knowing advertising, marketing, psychology, all that shit. If I see a dope brand. You could sell me a brick with the, the yeah. logo Supreme on it, which they do. Yep. And you're <laughs> you buying brick? fucking yeah. bricks with Supreme on it. So when I saw Casper, I was buying into the creative minds and the operation. And that's probably my bias of like, you know, supporting the local or the the entrepreneurs or the, mm. the creatives. Realistically, you could be say, selling me the same fucking pillow from Target, rebranding at Casper, but because emotionally somebody built something that makes you feel like you're going to sleep better, mm-hmm. you know, and they're going to say we, they put in a lot of hours and testing, whether they did or not, whatever I believe it's a, it's going to be um, a placebo. Yeah. You yeah. know, they probably, they're probably on their way to create a store, like some kind of experience. I think they are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah easy. I think they're doing one in like New York or something like that, Smart. but selective ones. Um, I would like to validate something real quick. And this is like outside of uh, what we were talking about. The idea of Supreme doing a brick, about four and a half, five years ago, we we're thinking of marketing campaigns, and Nelson oh, came yeah. up with the idea of putting our logo on a brick and sending a note that says, "Let's build something together." Yeah, see, so that's six story. They, they must and, have gotten into your then, head. Yes, yeah, yeah. But that was when we were also talking about doing like some kind of give back program. So it was basically to help like rebuild like infrastructures and in inner cities too. Yeah. So it's like this whole thing that was like just tied into it. Did you guys it. like go hard on that campaign? I, I made some prototypes. Okay. Like, and okay. what we would do is we would paint the bricks and we would like put our logo and then put the mission statement on there too mm-hmm. and then like, send it out, you know? Dude, the sentiment and the concept was all there. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, definitely. So in our first company, in the first company that we had, like Nelson, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know how you want to describe it, but we weren't partnered up as closely as we are now. We weren't on a day to day. Yeah, on a day to day. So, but now we are, and I think after four years, finally, we're finally going to be able to like run some of our own campaigns. A lot of them is actually starting with clothing as well, because Nelson was yeah. a designer. So I'm really pumped on that. Um, do you ever think to yourself, like being a clothing designer, where it's like you kind of want something, and you're just like, why don't I just make it myself since I can't find it? Yeah, honestly, that happens a lot. Um, and I think that's the beauty of like sampling and prototyping. If you see, you know, something that's already made, you can just it, it, like get it uh, customized. I mean, people customize sneakers, you know what I'm saying? So, and, and they, they're not making the sneakers from scratch. So I think 
it's kind of, again, everyone has a blank piece of paper. Everyone's going to have a white hoodie or a black hoodie. Mm -hmm. So if there's one that kind of looks like the thing you want already, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And I know as artists, we're always like, I want to do something original. Well, the truth is, no one does anything (laughs) original, (laughs) right? right? We are all going to curate it differently. And to me, that's still artistry, especially in the day and age we live in. Um, that's kind of a form of, of artistry is just kind of like taking inspiration from other people's stuff. And I think if you, if you can always show that love and that respect, like, you know, what is it? Um, like, uh, Johnny Ives, you know, and, 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 uh, Dieter Rams pay homage. Yeah. 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 So that's fucking sick too. I'm going to break it up a little bit. How do you feel about the whiskey now that you're a couple? It's the, exactly what you said. It's beady. Um, and it is like a scotch. So honestly, I I will I appreciate it for what it is. It's not like I, I was going to us going, oh, I hope it tastes good. Yeah. You know, I think it's almost like uh like songs, like music. You know, you can't just be like, that song sucks. Maybe you just don't relate to it, but you appreciate it because one day when you want that mood, you're gonna listen to that song. Just like alcohol, it's going to put you in a different mood, especially if you're an appreciator of the of you know the different types of alcohol there is, especially whiskeys and bourbons, whatever. I think you just know, yo, that's, that was nice. Like it's just a different acquired taste. Mm. I worked in alcohol for like four years uh, for a distributor. So I had a bunch of stuff of like just tasting and stuff. And I always like took the package, looked at the website and things like that. And I was like, in the back of my head, I was like, somebody somewhere created this formula from the ingredients that they created, like in the ground, especially if they owned it. They're like, they grew this, they formulated it, they made the brand and kind of put their heart and soul into it. If it's a real, like, you know, not a fake facade brand. Yeah. It's like, dude, they just told their life story in a bottle. It's interesting that you say that because it builds so much value, right? Like here, the tag is the heart and soul of Brewilladich. I can't say it. I I read that. I can't say it. And it's like, uh, <clears throat> provenance, authenticity, traceability. This is what we stand for. Built in 1881 by the Harvey brothers, uh, Brewer Lodich was rid- radically uh, av- avant-garde, conceptually brilliant, and meticulously implemented. And then there's like five paragraphs about this, but these stories are so like incredible and it makes the whiskey. It doesn't yeah. even matter what it tastes True. like. True. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's the perception, like, you know, keywords is like he was meticulous. And then you see it in like the design. You just believe it was like, you know, designed in the Alps or whatever the fuck, you yeah. know, like uh, Voss water. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. so they like Pappy, like the whiskey, Pappy Van Winkle. Them, like, yeah. like you see the dude on there. So back in the day, you're probably like, Pappy actually made this bottle, you know, in right. your head. You're like, and that's some of the best whiskey ever. So you've you've taken a couple brands, you know, uh, Quest and Halo, for example, and you've you've helped like rebrand them and create the, and build up their brands, right? Yeah. How do you like? How do you dive into a company like that and start to you know formulate a story that sells? I'm basically going to take a little formula from like what I do. I'm usually with clients is I give them a brand primer. It's almost like 21 questions, you know, cause you realize everyone gets in business in this, in this uh, example, everyone's going to get into business for spe- specific, like f- five or seven key points, right? No one just goes, oh, I'm going to spend the rest of my life working, you know, more than a hundred hours a week to do this and to go broke in hopes that I finally make it like no one 
really wishes that upon themselves, but they get into it for particular reasons that are very important to them. They're, they're important in different ways for each partner. And then they're important to the different staff team members who actually are investing their 40, 50, 60 hours a week to actually want to work with a brand, right? Um, especially in today's day and age, I, I, I'm working with great clients that aren't just like nine to fivers. You know, they actually care for the brand. So you get different perspectives and everyone's going to telephone why they think this brand is, is, is alive, right? Oh, okay. What the purpose of the brand. But once you get that from the actual um, owners, why did you start this? Why did you get into this? What is your mission? What is your goal? You realize that there's a story that needs to be uncovered that low-key will satisfy the owners, but also you're really doing it for the greater good of business and to, I believe, tell an inspiring or motivating or entertaining story. Because realistically, somebody who got into the business to do A, B, and C, the consumer might not need to ever hear that because it right. may be boring or it's just about money or whatever. So you have to kind of find um, or make up a story that really truly embodies the philosophy or, or the theories of whatever this brand is. And if you can do that with the right messaging, you know, right copy, the right um, strategy, the right art, you know, and do it consistently, that's where I realized that it's just a banger. Like it's, it's, I would say it's guaranteed success depending what success means to you as well, but it's guaranteed to work. Yeah. Nice. But you have to be doing all those like pretty effectively. So even working with particular clients, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like I come in and like do something and it blows up. Like egotistically, I wish it was that easy. And I wish I was like, you know, hey, hey, like I'm Hire me and you make a bazillion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm the one. <laughs> and, and this is probably going to lead into a new type of conversation, but kind of going back into like, if it's only that easy to just rebrand a company and it pops off, really, I am just like in an interview, like if I was interviewing someone to hire, that's how I go into, you know, working with clients. Because mm. I have to look at the clients and their operation and their resources to go, can they scale my vision? Yeah. You know, and can do they have the necessary operations that I know how to work with also to bring my value and to get the artwork seen. Because it's not like I just designed something and it's like, oh, it pops off. It makes a lot of money. It's not that, it, it's not like that. You know, it's a full team effort where you're looking, they're making, you know, X amount of hundreds of thousands of products a mm. week or a month. And you're like, oh shit, okay, there's a lot of ground here. And you get to think as big as you want. And then you realize that they're going to be a good partner for your artwork and for your yeah. ideas and for your strategies. Yeah. So I, I got a really important question for you. Yeah. How um, how in depth did you get with Halo? Because you, if if you manage a lot of their brand, you're responsible for about a bazillion calories that I've consumed, and, <laughs> and about a third a third of my grocery budget every single month. <laughs> <laughs> so the beauty is with Halo Top, you know, they already. I've seen their original packaging mm -hmm. um, and just like any brand, as you grow, like you should be maturing. It's like a person, you know? And so they actually had a very fantastic rebrand. Um, I think it was in 2015 or 16. And that's the, that's the brand that everyone has come to know. Mm -hmm. Right. So my relationship with, with Halo Top, I wish I would have done the packaging, you know, but we took essentially everything that was made, the actual pints. And, you know, luckily I, I I had the opportunity of working with a really great friend of mine who was their marketing director at the time. And we had one hell of a synergy, him and I. 
and it was it was really great chemistry that allowed both of us to shine. So we basically came up with ideas together. You know, he was leading the strategy. I was leading the the creative kind of um, direction, you know, like how people are going to feel in Mary with his strategy. And so we were lucky enough to work with a good packaging that, that was already there. So sometimes you get blessing. You don't have to like try to pitch new packaging. Yeah. You know, it was done by a very great studio, I think, um, in the Midwest. Um, and so when I saw it, I was like, oh shit, like, they're going through a rebrand, you know, they're, they were working with particular agencies and they want to get to another level or at least transition, yeah. you know? And so, you know, it was, again, it was great teamwork. Um, the dude is brilliant. Um, you know, the, the marketing director, his name is Danny. He really helped him get to the next level. And I also knew since I worked with him that he was going to do his part to, you know, get the artwork seen. Yeah. Nice. How, how much of uh, an influence did you have on like the social like presence um, realistically it was, fuck, I, I mean, I can't say hundred percent, yeah. but like, I don't think 50%. It was literally like, yo, we're going to, at the time it was called the Macier studio. Mm -hmm. So it was like, we're going to Macier because the big ideas that can also be translated without having to have your hand held. You know? So like we would get a marketing brief, very organized. Here are what, here's what we want to accomplish for the month. And here's like products we want to feature. So then our studio just kind of had really great autonomy. It's really fucking dope. Should we let him know the secret right now? What's the secret? The secret that like for the last six months we've been referencing Halo, not knowing that it had anything yeah. to do with you as like <laughs> yeah. a benchmark we, for what we want to do. We we just seen <laughs> yeah, we just seen it like on social our our uh one of our directors of content was like looking through was like, you gotta check this brand out. And we just like fell in love with it, man. So, What's your favorite flavors? Um out of like the the 151 Pokemon they have. Yeah, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't, is it, oh, waffles and pancakes. Is it called waffles and pancakes? I don't even remember. That was like, you know, we helped them in a transition. Yeah, it's like uh, pancakes and waffles or waffles and pancakes, something like that. There is currently three uh, little pints of that. And it says like, oh, in this pint, it's only 280 calories. So I'm mm. like, straight, I'm going to eat the whole thing tonight. Yeah. <laughs> How about yours? You got a favorite? Uh. No, I haven't even actually tried it. I just admire the brand. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those things. Like, I just haven't, I don't eat a lot of ice cream. So, yeah. yeah. No, that was, you. I, but, but it's uh, it's so, yeah. even down to like the Twitter. Yeah. Like, everything is so, so well thought, dude. It's so, yeah. My homegirl, she's like the head copy over there. And like, she, yeah, she's fucking hilarious. So, if you love the Twitter, shout out Carly, you know? Oh, Whoa. Whoa. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Her name's Carly. Secret agent. Exactly. Yeah. Secret agent. She better She's not have two jobs dude. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, I think in like a past life, or I'm sorry, in a future life, I would hope I like in real form, I would have to play like some sort of Mrs. Doubtfire, I Love Lucy bullshit. We yeah. have to be in two places at once. Like I would so love to get fucked that way. Like where like I'm just screwing up in life and I have to do two things. <laughs> like that's so funny, dude. Like <laughs> I kind of feel like that, like, I mean, it's kind of a different subject, but I kind of feel like that when it comes down for, like, Instagram life and real life. It's like, cool, <laughs> I get to show you guys that I'm this guy. And then <laughs> in real life, I'm this guy. I mean, they blend somewhere, but there's definitely a polished thing that's yeah. happening on the internet. So I feel like, you know, Instagram and Twitter is my Mrs. Doubtfire. 
dope. <laughs> yeah, like forget the Jekyll and Hyde reference. This is the Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> I, dude, I feel like my personal Instagram makes me look like a douchebag. <laughs> I think your personal Instagram's cool. Well, I could see, but can you? You could see where I could look like a douchebag. Y- yes, as a matter of fact, but samesies. Like if you look at my shit, like it's all motivational quote and things I believe. Mm. You know what I mean? Motivational quotes and whatever. And then I guess looking at your, but knowing you and knowing that you're about art, that you're about photography and all that, like, it's like, oh, this makes complete sense. And I, you know, hopefully that's the same for me, like with my, like with my Instagram, it's it's stuff I believe, but for somebody that doesn't know me or like even maybe even one of my friends that hasn't been friends with me for the last four years, they might think like, oh, what a toolbox. And that's the, (laughs) that's the doubtfire life. That's the doubtfire. Because deep down we're just fathers. You know, with, like our, with our craft. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, brands aside, design aside, like all that stuff, um, who are the top three artists that you admire and respect? Oh, man. Like for, for anything? Yeah, for anything. Mine might be very vague too. It's just like the way I feel about what I see. And then I go and do a little bit of research later. But um, man, I would have to say obviously… Um, Johnny Ives, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he. everyone had cell phones. Mm-hmm. But what he did through Apple, holy fuck, like, it, it, for, for what, 20 years now? Not not just the iPhone, though, right? For 20 years, everyone's been copying Apple. Oh, That's yeah. because, mm-hmm. number one, of him. And number two, a great team. You know, great leadership. But, so Johnny Ives, um, honestly, like, fuck it, uh, Kanye West. You know, I think he's very, very, very misunderstood i honestly i don't care too much to like pay attention to him nowadays mm-hmm. i feel like i know what he's doing and i feel like it's not all about just like how he feels i think he's purposely trying to disrupt things as always but there was a time where i honestly felt like he was misunderstood people hated him yes i know he it was mainly around the time where he interrupted um what's her face uh taylor swift mm-hmm. and everyone just because it was on the media was just trained to just go he's a bad guy he's a bad oh he's an asshole like sure right but I think where I can connect with his behavior is there's just times where I just would just say what the fuck I felt. Yeah. And not knowing that whether that was right or wrong, like maybe I just have to pick a better time and language to do it. But I also realized when I was immature, I would do shit like that. Yeah. You know, so maybe realistically he is a genius, but in his own way, but maybe he just, everyone matures differently at different times. It doesn't mean because you're older, you mature more mature than the 13 year old. Sometimes it's different. Yeah, you know, so I respect that he did what he did. He changed music, you know, like it completely changed because of his oh, sound. Yeah. Um, and then he did sneakers, you know, and he did fashion. Like whether people like it or not, the thing is, he did it, and a lot of people like it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So don't count the people who hate it. Count the people who like it and that mm. it's successful. Not only do they like it, they copied it. Yes, they <laughs> copied that too. Yeah. So we got Kanye. We got um. We got Johnny Ives. Um. Man, one that does come to mind. Um, his name is see, I only remember his, his last name is Villemont. So he was a French designer from the '60s, and for some reason, I just always remember his style of art that actually is inspiring my next uh, brand that's coming out. So that's pretty fucking cool. That he's been a more recent inspiration because I came across it a couple of years ago in Vancouver. Mm. Um, but his style of of artwork. Because he was a graphic designer from the 60s, fr- uh, French. Mm-hmm. Um, and just what he did, I mean, if you ever Google, just type in uh, Velemont. I think it's V-I-L-L-E-M-O-T. Um, 
it looks like brush strokes, but it's like vector. Mm -hmm. um, and he did it for like big brands like Bali, uh, Perrier. And it, just the way he did it was so fucking disruptive. Uh, it's sick. I can only imagine seeing those in the, in the 60s and being like, like, whoa, this looks way like not of our time. Yeah. But also it fits the time. You know what's funny is like a lot of people who want to talk shit on Kanye West will still buy his shoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's real oh, weird. Yeah. They want to stomp on him with the with the twelve hundred dollars yeah. shoes, right? <laughs> they, 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 you know, these these are comfortable. Good job, Kanye. And then they pick them up. They love and <laughs> they love and hate you at the same time. Yeah. What about you, Nelson? What's your top three? Top three, probably Andy Warhol, who's like real crazy, Basquiat, and then probably musically it's just Jay Dilla. And what he brought to this to the table, like the complexity of the way that he hit certain like pockets was just so different, and the way that he sampled, like you just felt it, you felt yeah. the passion. Yeah, and they have stories that that say like he was like one of the most complex producers of all time, like just the way that he would line up certain samples, it would take him like five hours to lay like one track mm -hmm. you know just just the just the drums and now i'm going to go back and do the and <laughs> do the like just the beats and stuff so that's probably like my top three maybe banksy's in there somewhat i yeah, like I the like i like the rebellious kind of yeah kind of style yeah and the fact that the, the stuff that he did in that uh that amusement park was just just insane like the the thing in europe i'm but, not familiar yeah he went to like it, it looked like disneyland almost uh -huh. and he went in there and just like flipped it like crazy yeah. it was yeah. sick dude that was before that was like right at his height like he hit that and then he just like took off yeah but the old school banksy stuff was pretty dope and you grew up on bone thugs and harmony <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i'm not oh no i was wearing bone thugs socks the other, the other day. So. What was it about Bone Thugs that like that you connected with? I feel like it was like me and my friends. Mm. You know, meaning like when you look at them, they're friends and of course like a couple of them are like, yeah, a couple of them are family members, but it's like, it's tight. Like, you know, I, I play basketball with my friends every day. You know, like we <laughs> watch Pokemon every day. And then just like, <laughs> just liking rap music, when you're seeing a group of people put on a sound like that, and I feel like low-key, everyone wanted to I think everyone at one point in their life wants to either be a rapper or some sort of musician performing oh, yeah. on stage. Mm -hmm. So just at a young age, I was like, that's tight. Like, you know, <laughs> who's your, to, to have, who's your favorite though? Your wish dude. You know, what's funny that you say that it was always, uh, between wish and lazy. La yeah. Lazy used to come to the studio all the time that, that I used to work at. One of the most down to earth dudes. Like I ever met dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Real he seems um, so funny, funny fact um, about me and four other homies. Now, it depends if you're counting flesh and bone, right? Yeah. <laughs> like me and three or four other homies, we would usually print out lyrics and like hand it out to each other. It's like, all right, you're going to be busy. I'm going <laughs> to be busy. Five, six, one, two, three. Four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it just goes into like. <laughs> so what role did you have in this? Were you the rapper, the singer? Like what was going on? Um. Oh, of course. Like, oh, I mean, uh, did anyone sing? I mean, hypothetically, the, 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 Busy Bone sounded like he was crooning. I felt like they, they kind of well, they harmonized a little. Yeah, bit. yeah, they did. Yeah, shit. I, I think it was just whatever you can remember. Yeah. Like, remembering like we, I think we talked. Yeah, we talked about Notorious Thugs. Like, 
sometimes you don't know what you're saying, but if you can hit like what, what sounds like you're saying what they're saying, like you're the you're one of them for yeah. sure. <laughs> right. What was that group that sounded like them? They came out with the uh, with I forgot their name, dude. They came out with like hey in the middle of the barn. Who was I don't remember that one. No, really? yeah, they sounded exactly like Bone, but they're pretty good too. I forgot. How, when name. was this? This was like uh, back then. Like, this was way back then, like '98 or something like that. I forgot. I don't remember that. Question: This is for this is for all of us. I'm going to answer this one myself as well. I'm going to start this one with Nelson. I I feel like you mentioned that you th- there was a point in your life, right, Maka? Where oh, it's crucial conflict. I love that the Sorry. recall came back. Yeah. <laughs> I love that the recall came back. But uh, you mentioned, uh, Maka, that at one point we wanted to be like musicians. You wanted to be a musician at one point. Mm-hmm. Same with you. I know this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Today, now knowing that we're probably not going to be musicians. Sorry, guys. I know that I'm not going to be. Who do you rap with or sing with in the car that you're like, you know what? I sound really good next to this person. Next to the person? Like in the song. Like when you're singing along in the song or oh, rapping along with, in the song. with the person? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Jesus Christ. Oh. Uh, this is a real burner. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> a good one. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like here's the thing. is like you know that you like you. And, and actually, maybe we'll make it easier. Like what song is it then? Because you know that there's certain songs where like you have every verse, you have every note. Oh, it's probably uh, Miss Fat Booty, most of. Yeah, easy, yeah. easy. <laughs> That's amazing, Maka. Um, actually, I would say there's two that just are very sharply in my mind. Right, uh, with my pops, it's I want it that way. <laughs> my Backstreet oh my Boys. Right. Um. And then with my cousin, who's also a business partner of mine with File, um, it would be You Got It Bad by Usher. Nice. Uh, yeah. Nice. Mine do not sound uh, good, but in our head, in the car, from the outside looking at us, we probably sound and look really cool. <laughs> I, I was just listening to that track the other day, and I was like, damn, people forget how good Usher was. Yeah. yeah. He kind uh, I'm not... I'm. When he first came out, he was like, He was great. Whoa. I'm uh, I'm a little disappointed in some of the stuff that he's come out with recently. Oh, yeah. Like, he has a mumble rap song out, I'm pretty sure. Probably. Does yeah. it sound like it could be dope, or is it just like he's trying too hard? I think he's trying hard. God. Mm-hmm. Um, Yours? Mine is, uh, I believe it's All for One. Um, what's that <laughs> song? Uh, they sing it at the end of, uh, Ryan Reynolds sings it, right? I don't remember, but it's that one where it's like, Got me Cinderella. Yeah. Hoping will come true. Oh my. <laughs> One day your Prince Charming will come. Rescue you. Dude, every note in that song, yeah. I'll smash that shit. And my girlfriend's like, what is wrong? Like, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with her? Right? I'm, yeah, it's like, I'm trying to tell you I love you through the art of music right now. See? See? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. But that one, like, blast it. It's it's pretty <laughs> Nice. <laughs> you like how I tried to get into it real quick? Dude, I was trying to get into it with you, and then I got into it at the end, and I didn't, and I just know the other guy comes in. <laughs> right? Yeah. Then there's the, there's the one, there's one more song too. I can love I like that. Oh. oh man, all of those. Yeah. It's so good. 90s R&B had something yeah, different dude, about it. Dude. You had it was Jodeci, crazy. You had um, Blackstreet. Oh yeah. What was what, your favorite? Uh, I know that you were super hip hop, but there had to be some R&B in there. Yeah, uh, I like like Erica Badu. Mm. Yeah, uh, of course Lauren Hill back yeah. in the day. Um, who else? Uh, TLC was cool, obviously. Mm, TLC. 
And <laughs> yeah. For oh, real. SWV was dope. Back I don't then. remember SWV. That might have been before. Before the I feel time, like I was not was invited to that party just now. Oh my goodness. Um, you guys remember Escape? Oh, Escape. They were like right just there. Just kick, kick, just kick. Yeah. <laughs> that's just sight. So I, I gotta be. Re- I, I don't know if I told you this. I know I've told Nelson, but when I was growing up, <clears throat> I wouldn't say that I, I wasn't sheltered by any means. But if there was an African American artist. I would feel like I was like I couldn't watch this. So when Coolio's Gangsters Paradise come out, <laughs> I remember like standing on top of the cable box waiting for my mom come home to come home. And I was singing the songs, but then when I heard her car pull up, I'd change it to Nickelodeon and jump on the car real quick. <laughs> I don't know why that was wrong. I grew up in South Orange County. I mean, you guys were like in LA. Uh Rancho Cucamonga is yeah. more like uh Inland Empire. Is that considered yeah, it's a that? suburb? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like, I, I didn't know if it was like right or wrong, but for whatever reason growing up, like I didn't feel like it was okay that to do that. So with that being said, like I know every single Spice Girls song and way too many NSYNC songs. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, <laughs> Are you sure way too many? No, right? <laughs> or just the right amount. Yeah, just the right amount. <laughs> Some would say. <laughs> but either way, it was, you know, I, I, and, and for me it was like, it was a lot of rock and roll. Yeah. Was, was, a, yeah. was the first album that you ever... The first played? album I ever got... Um, actually, the, the first album I clearly remember getting was uh, Motley Crue's Dr. Feelgood in the back of a Levitz. Oh. My dad gave it to me. I was like four years old. Clearly remember getting this. And if you listen, if if you listen to the lyrics now, it like explains a lot of like my effed upness. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, wow, everything's really vulgar and chauvinistic. Mm, weird. Um, but... What I actually know it was before that was Paul Abdul. Do you, did you have a My First Sony, the red thing with like it was a karaoke? Like a karaoke? Is it connected to that? Yeah. yeah. Probably like one of my aunts or uncles had it. Yeah. And so, <laughs> it was <laughs> dope. Yeah. <laughs> Magic Mike, six inches away, 45 degree angle. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so it was actually Paula Abdul that I know for sure it was because I knew every like Paula Abdul song growing up. Really weird. It's a great fact. Well, yeah. Sure. What about yours? First, first album that you remember? Um, just like purchasing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we talked about it. It was or it was supposed to be East 1999 by uh, Bone Thugs, or right. it was it was the single to Crossroads. Oh, okay. Um, I couldn't get it at the time because I needed a parent. Ah, uh, yeah. I think mine was. I want to say it was Digital Underground, but um, it. It might have been like right after that. It definitely was a chronic. Yeah, oh, that was really? like yeah, that was like one of my first albums. I went out and like, how old are you, Maker? Thirty-two. You're thirty-six. Thirty-six. Okay. The chronic I wasn't even allowed to listen to. There's yeah. no way. My mom bought it for me. Oh yeah. what? Oh, yeah, no, like that's my, a cool mom. Yeah, my mom. Like my mom was so like she's like a hippie dude. So oh, it was like what, free free going kind of thing. My mom bought me the censored version of the Macarena single. Oh, shit. No, wait. There, there, there's was censored? I don't know if there was, but if there was a censored, she gave it to me. Girls are supposed <laughs> to shake their, like women shaking their hips right here. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's so funny. Crazy, How is there a censored version? I don't know if there is one, but man, like I remember, I think I told you the story. Like I wanted to get like um, that one, two, three, four, oh, get that yeah, Coolio song yeah, came oh. out. And so when the album came out, Def- we wanted to go get it. Yeah. But remember, Remember at Warehouse, you could preview the uh-huh. shit? My mom previewed it. I think it said the N-word like four times in the first song. She's like, nope, we can't have this. And I was just like left crying that day because I was like, mom, like I have to, I have to go back and just listen to TLC now. 
Which yeah. was all about banging dudes. Oh yeah, yeah. like I, I know what my favorite was R and B artist back in the day was Montel Jordan for sure. <laughs> Montel had it had it crazy. That's crazy though. Yeah, damn, dude. So we, awesome. we would go through some uh, like Fridays and stuff and just bang a bunch of like '90s like R and B. Like and just have it ringing through the the office, and then the girls like they're super young, so they're like, "What are you guys listening to?" And we'll be we'll <laughs> be singing. They'll be like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> You've done a lot of brands that people want to work with. I, I feel as if the vibe I get from you, and we haven't really talked about, it, is that you've accomplished a lot already in your life. But we're kind of all in the same age demo. Like, what's going? What's next for you? Yeah, I would have to say file. You know, actually building a brand for creatives so I can express myself, share what I might have learned in case it's helpful to anybody and then just create what was not there, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just something that I get, I have an affinity to do my best to try to leave something with other people who are up and coming or just anybody and learn their um, perspective and share my perspective. I mean, we're in that internet age where that's good to do, you know, like people want to keep hearing other perspectives. That's also why you're doing a podcast. So it's to finally own my own, um, I would say, products more than brand. Uh, actually, own a brand that's tied to a product because with the studio side, that's a service. You know, yes, the product it could be the IP or the the visuals, but at the end of the day, it'd be considered a service business. But I want to build something where I don't have to work it hypothetically, but I'm more sharing, you know, perspective and helping others want to do the the great work, mm-hmm. you know? Because I think I've done, you know, in my own ways, very great, very good work. Um, and it's, I get a kick out of seeing somebody or multiple people who weren't who they believe that they truly could be. Mm-hmm. And then they are able to do it through these projects. Like, I think that's something special. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, I won't go too into it. You can ask questions, but it, it you know, I'm a cannabis user, so finally launching that brand, mm. you know, Dope. and doing it with uh, really great partners. Yeah. That's, that's excellent, man. Um, I don't know if you've listened to the show before, and this is kind of a throwback to what we, what I used to do anyways, but, but we love to leave the listener with a bit of advice from the guests. And I know that you've given us so much today. We truly appreciate it. But if this was the last thing that you could say to somebody listening right now, what would it be? Oh man. It's funny. Like I can almost go into something like really deep that almost has nothing to do with like, you know, obviously designer art, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the hell I would want to say to somebody. Um, it, it, in a way you can, are you going to edit this down or no? It really does. Probably no. not. Okay. No. Man, there's so many things, but I think one of the biggest things that helped me is a uh, sense of, of self awareness of self. You know, um, I think, like perfect examples, like working on something for like 40, 50, 60, 100 hours. And just because you worked on it doesn't mean it's going to be a hit or it doesn't mean it's going to work. Like I think what helped me is like instead of believing or centering myself around feeling good about myself, that I I worked hard, so this has to work, you know, but just taking it and loving the process and going, oh, it's, it's not going to work. I spent 100 hours on it. it and then flipping your mind and going, oh, well, why is it not going to work? Oh, because it needs this. And being quick to adapt and remembering that sense of self is an ego. I think we talked about this, mm-hmm. that there's a cockiness. And then there's, to me, pure egos 
how aware are you of yourself and your behavior? So if I'm about to backlash or say some, something out of emotion, maybe just stop myself and remember it's not about you. It's about maybe this project or something mm-hmm. bigger than you and going, okay, I might have fucked up or, you know, why, why, did, why, why don't you think in the group of collaborators, why don't you think it's going to work? Yeah. You know, and then remembering that you're one of the, the special people chosen for this project to still make it work. Yeah. Um, I think that's helped me just remembering that I'm not going to have the best ideas. I'm not going to have the dopest anything, but relying on the fact that I have a special skill set that should aid into something greater than me and being aware that you're going to get very emotionally tied to your work. But I encourage people not to get emotionally tied to their work, but be tied to your growth. I love that, man. That's super sick. Um, To any of the listeners that want to connect with you after this podcast, where where can they find you? Um, Just find us on Instagram at file brand f-i-l-e brand um the beauty there is i actually will reply to any message i even my phone number is up on there my google number it's 304-405-6222 you actually can text it i will text back like i actually share the conversations i have a series on the web uh, on our website saw that um it's called conversations and i'll actually post you know i think valuable conversations that i have with people asking like how do i overcome create a block or you know, how do I get my next client or I want to either leave the workforce and go freelance or I've been freelancing. How do I join a workforce? Like I will answer anything and anonymously I will share it, you know, because there's a lot of people who want to know those things. So connect with me there. I will respond. Awesome. Maka, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me, man. Nelson. Nelson. Pumped to have you as a as a co-host today. Yes, that was sir. fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, to the listener, we really appreciate your time and attention. If you love the episode, we would dig a five-star review. And if you didn't like the episode that much, feel free to stick it to us, but leave us a five-star review anyway, because uh, it's the nice thing to do. Um, but no matter what, be sure to subscribe because we're going to have a lot of incredible people just like Maka back on the show. Thanks again, man. Thank you guys. You. Yep.